Hey guys, what's up? I'm Yarel Ramos. And I'm Jessica Molina. We all have those weight hold up moments in life. Those times where our perspective shifts and our hustle changes as a result. Each week, tune in as we chat with a new guest who's on their grind and learn the pivotal moments that shape their journey. And when we're not chatting with a guest, Jess and I will dig into the latest weight hold up moments happening in politics and pop culture. You're listening to Weight Hold, hold Up. up. excited for today's episode, Jess, because we have a very special guest, uh, Daniel Hernandez. He's a journalist, author, and current editor of LA Taco. He is a former staff writer of the LA Times and LA Weekly. His journalism has appeared over a variety of platforms and regions, including NPR, El Guardian, El País, and Vice. Oh, thank you. Daniel is a native <laughs> of San Diego and a graduate of the University of California in Berkeley. Go Bears. Hey, go Bears. Go Bears. What up, <laughs> and he's sitting in my kitchen. That's right. <laughs> Which is probably his greatest accomplishment <laughs> to date. And he's Dang. eating Cuban food. There you go. <laughs> Daniel, so you have, uh, thank you so much for, for coming, by the Thanks way. For uh, me. I, we know you're so busy and you're doing lots of projects. Um, but one in particular is L.A. Taco. Uh, tell us a little bit about L.A. Taco and, and how's that going for you? Yeah, well, glad you asked me and thank you for having me. L.A. Taco is, as you may have heard, it's a city portal website. It's been around for many years, actually since 2007. And initially it was like weed reports, graffiti photos and like taco photos. And sort of over the years, a bunch of different contributors have just kind of kept it going and in December, after they shut down LA Weekly or basically fired the whole staff, and also LA East was shut down, these are places where people would go to find out what to do on the weekends and what to eat and where to go and um, maybe get some news. Mm -hmm. If you lose those two outlets, someone needs to step up, you know? So the owner of the site was like, I, I, I've always wanted you to be editor here. Like, let's get going. Let's get to work, you know? And so I was like, all right, dude, fine. I'm down. So then I just started filling the website with news and sort of like i've have experience in editing websites and, and doing digital platforms and so here we are we just want to be a place for anyone in la regardless of their ethnicity their color their gender expression to feel like la taco is a place where they can go and, and feel connected to the city because i think we need that you know what i'm saying like we need three or four more la tacos and so for now we're just like putting our little you know flagpole in the ground and saying here we are and we want to do content for la you know and I love that they're doing things that are not, you know, you're doing journalism. You're doing really cool stories. There was this really cool story on the corrido movement of uh, Mexican music and weed. It's the corridos about weed. Mm -hmm. And I was really, I'm like, at LA, I was like, LA Tacos writing about weed and corridos. That's dope. <laughs> yeah. uh, so it's, it's kind of like that mix of cool things happening in LA and also good journalism, which is Nice. Yeah, we hope. I mean, food is a great unifier, in my opinion. I think everyone in this city can has their favorite taco, you know, and has a place where they go where they can feel that they're connected through the city through food. And it, I think it's a window. It's a conduit. But yes, we want to do real news, hard hitting news, investigations. We just need resources and really start building up. And so Ahí vamos, no? Like little by little. Okay. <laughs> That's That's awesome. it. Yeah, it sounds like it's going to be something really cool and you wish you the best. Thank you. Um, but now taking it back, I know you've done a lot of really, really cool work. Um, uh, you know, you work with Vice for a while in mm -hmm. Mexico City. You did a lot of work, actually. You wrote a book 
about Mexico City. Yeah, well, the book, you know, it's called Down and Delirious in Mexico City. It was sort of uh, capturing a moment of, for me, kind of transitioning into becoming a Chilango, becoming someone who lives in this place. I was always sort of drawn to Mexico City without having any real root there. My family's all from the north of Mexico, both my parents and my grandparents. What so. I have to interject because what's a Chilango? Oh, Puerto Rican girl from like yeah. East Coast. I'm yeah. like, huh? That's, and I'm like, is that your favorite taco? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was like, yeah, the favorite taco. Is that what it's called? What's chilango? A chilango? Pues, chilango is the sort of a very old school kind of slang slash slur mm. directed at people from Mexico City from Ciudad de Mexico yeah. and it sort of implies or it used to imply now people wear it like a badge like pocho yeah. or like whatever or boricua or boricua mm-hmm. but it used to be like pinche chilango like oh. you know what I'm it saying it used like, to be a little you're rough around the edges mm-hmm. you think you're the shit mm-hmm. you're conceited you're pushy sort of like the same kind of things people say about New Yorkers when they want to stereotype yeah. a New Yorker yeah. people I kind of sort of transmit onto people from the epic because guess what? Mexico City is a big ass place. There's a lot of people. There's a lot of physical, physical man to man sort of competition mm-hmm. and contact <laughs> in a city that big and that intense. And so people who live there and sort of become sucked in by it, I guess, as I was begin to adopt some of those characteristics. So I was like, I'm ready to be a chilango. Yeah. So you yeah. were like, I, I, do, I, do I get the, do I get the jacket? Yeah. Exactly. The time? Okay. Got it. <laughs> now we make it to you. Sorry, guys. I know some of y'all with me like, yeah, Jess, I was wondering what that was. So I, 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 I know. Ask you the and question. I actually wanted to jump in, too, because it was like, oh, Jess, Mexico City is one of the places that I told you that you definitely need to go to in you Mexico. Go. Oh, yeah. Like, you have to go. I, I definitely have. It, That's it's, on the it's, list. It's, uh, ama- it's an amazing city. It has yeah, so, so much. So I wanted to just um, explore that, reflect that. And um, I did sort of an ethnographic approach. And so I spent, I kind of embedded myself within different communities and subgroups, um, excuse me, from like rich fashionista kids to like punk kids to everything in between. That's really amazing. No, you're kind of the cool kid. It was, it was fun because I got to, you know, I had uh, the backing of my publishing house. You know, I had like, I published with Scribner. It was intended for a mainstream audience, but I really wanted to capture the flavor of the city in this moment. I was, you know, in my 20s myself when I got there. It was very important for me to try and reflect what it feels like being a young person trying to figure yourself out, surfing different identities, Mm -hmm. surfing different barriers to Mm -hmm. moving in society and moving Mm -hmm. in life. You know, Mexico and Mexico City in particular are, are very young places. The population steers young. And so I wanted to explore that really mm-hmm. and, and also sort of situate myself within this landscape and try to attempt to find what my place was within that group being a sort of a norteño pocho being an american mexican mexican american kind of thing so mm-hmm. i'm really happy the book is kind of old now actually it's been around five more than five years you know it's like it's and i don't feel it was the book for the, its moment yeah right. you know what i'm saying and um Yes, I do have other books that I'm planning on doing, but it's it really that book like really was my anchor to the time that I spent there. And mm-hmm. then the drug war really blew up and then I just started covering all that business. And that's kind of what I did. For yeah, you, um, as a Mexican-American, were you embraced in these scenes or even like were you always seen as the outsider? I mean, that's a very good question because I 
when I first went to Defe, the other way to say Mexico City, mm-hmm. no? or that you still that allowed, we used to, yeah. that we used to say. I feel like now you say it, they're like Ciudad de México. I know, Ciudad de oh, México. Really? Yeah, it used to be, it used I, to be I El Distrito Federal. Yeah, it used to be Distrito That was like the official name, Distrito, El Distrito Federal. But now the official name is La Ciudad de México. CDMX. It's como muy rebranding. Rebranding, yeah, yeah. It is. It's been like rebranding. So, all right, all right, guys. But anyway, so you go there, and when I first went there, they had never met someone like me. They were like, "What are you doing here?" Si todos nos estamos tratando de ir para allá, like, you know, they were kind of. I did face kind of discrimination. I would get dismissed, or you're just a pocho. I would be called uncultured, basically, or someone who sort of had no culture or no footing. Now I think that changed. I think, and that was in 2002. Let me just date myself. That was right when I first went there out of school, you know? Mm-hmm. And again, I had no connection, no family, no relative, nothing. I, it was as foreign to me as having gone to New Delhi or to yeah. or anything, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I go and I'm like, hey, I'm here. Like, let's be friends. You know, <laughs> no, but then there was. And then you do, you know how people are in Latin America. They just embrace yeah. you. You're a stranger. They want to touch you. Right. You know, not just embrace you, like t- touch yeah. you. And America is so like contact averse in every possible way that that was very felt felt very liberating to me mm-hmm. and very kind of refreshing and so i think when i finally moved back and i settled there as a 27 year old after having had a bit of a working career here in la um people were more aware that i existed mm-hmm. and that was a shift that just happened within a few years and now there's so much transmigration so many mexicanos who have gone back yeah. to Mexico at different points and are bringing a bit the American, their American side. So I think more and more now people are more aware of us who are bicultural, binational, mm-hmm. whatever you want to call us. And so I think that there is, there is more, there, I just more mezcla now, you know? That's awesome because I feel like what happens, especially be, is that like being born in the United States is you constantly end up feeling like this outsider and you're claiming your mexican identity i claim my puerto rican identity but then you go there and you're um, you're basically told like no you can't claim that like they told you that in puerto rico jess oh yeah i mean i i had like my Mm. own aunts tell me like you're a gringa and Um. oh yeah in mexico yeah yeah. and, and you're just like but wait, but wait. I, I, I want to represent, like, I want to, like, be at the table. I want to, like, have a voice here. And so I think that in some way for me, what that's manifested is in my journalism, in my career, in my own personal interest is, like, I want to be able to at least then tell your stories or know what's happening. So I'm going to do the extra research. I'm going to go the extra mile. But it feels a lot like always having to prove yourself. Right. A little bit, for sure. I mean, I think that um, I was... Definitely embraced in some cases and in some cases still looked with a bit of, I don't want to say curiosity, but a little bit like you're a specimen, you know, you're like, ooh, so now it's like, what do you think about this? And like, but how do you really feel or how do you really identify? And I'm like, at the end of the day, I can't really fake the funk. Like I grew up, you know, in school hearing the Star Spangled Banner right. every morning, not Mexicanos al Grito de Guerra, you know, <laughs> like, right. yeah. you know what I mean? Like my grounding and my foundation still is very much gringo. And after a while of living in Mexico City, I think that I sort of became more embracing of my American identity, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense. Yeah, and sort of like being um, open to the idea of, wait, espera, in America, we don't have to make sure our signature fits 
perfectly along the lines of yours. And you know, Latin American bureaucracy is so rigid yeah. that I'm just like, dude, you know me, my face, or even if you don't know me, I'm telling you, this is my account. Give me my damn money. You know, like yeah, yeah. The little <laughs> things that like American efficiency and American sort of productivity, if you will, that are kind of that you don't even realize are put into your DNA yeah. if yeah. you grow up here. When That's you go south, yeah. you know what mm-hmm. I mean? You get a whole different ball. Right. You're like, yeah. oh, man, this is how they function here. What's going on, guys? <laughs> You're like, I, I want to say, like, um, like we can all be on the same, like, playing Right. Can, right. You get, like, can you just dude. figure this out? And then yeah. you le- so then you left Mex- Mexico City recently, or was it? Yes. Yeah, so that was in the end of 2015. I was like, I'm going to live here. I'm going to, you know, I was looking for a house. Like forever. You wanted was, it to just fully move there. I, for as far as I was concerned, I relocated. I abandoned mm. Bush's America. You know, <laughs> I was like naively, like I was like, oh, I'm done with this country and this politics. You know, look where we are now. Yeah. Right. But mm-hmm. like, and then you came back. And then I came back to like the like, mouth of the Diablo. Like, <laughs> but I was like, I don't know. I mean, when I came back, I just felt. There were a bunch of variety of factors. I was burned out. You know, I was yeah. doing two and three jobs for Vice. Vice is a company that's very well known for sort of pushing its employees to the limit. Yeah. Mm, excuse me. And I was definitely there. Um, I was correspondent. I was bureau chief. I covered all of Latin America. I had one sort of full-time staffer helping me. Punto es, I was working my, oh my tail God, off so much. for Vice. And I think I'm I had, working too much. Damn. Know, I had like 10 different correspondents that reported to me from 10 different cities in 10 different time zones. You know what I mean? Like I had to cover anything that happened, whether it was in Chile or it was in Guatemala or in wherever, you know. And so A and B, I think I sort of like the story of Mexico, sort of the constant tragic parade of bloody headlines and horrible Mm. things that you never want to see and never expect to happen. Having to filter all that on a daily basis, I think I just kind of like wore on it. Mm-hmm. And also my parents, they were like, move back, move back. And my parents had been telling me move back for eight years. Mm-hmm. You know, like I told them I'd be gone for one year and it ended up being eight. So I sort of felt like I didn't want to make these old folks suffer anymore. And I was like, <laughs> I'm just going to go back. Like, yeah, it's fine. And I'm on top of that, I missed California and I missed doing journalism here. I missed you know, engaging with my community and sort of like I wanted to be back here and in the thick. And so I came back and that was at the end of 2015. So basically two years ago is, is when I've been back. And I still feel actually that I'm still I'm not. It was easy to kind of slide back into L.A. It can sometimes be a very off putting and alienating place, as you mm-hmm. know, especially for an outsider. And for all intents and purposes, I was an outsider. You know, I grew yeah. up in San mm-hmm. Diego. But when I came back here, I was like, oh, like, you know, I just slipped back into it. It felt like home again. But it is difficult to find your community, to peel away the curtains. And to, you know what I'm saying? And to find, you can't just like walk out of the street, stumble onto a bar, into a great cafe, a great place. Run into friends like you do in Mexico City, in New York City, in Chicago. You know what I'm saying? In other more pedestrian places. Everyone's in their car. Right. Yeah. So that's it. You know? Mm gears a little bit okay. because <laughs> since you've been back you wrote an article that got a lot of conversation going we'll 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 say that well, a little uh, polemical <laughs> <laughs> and um some of you may have read it it was called the case against latinx mm-hmm. and it ran in the la times 
in December of 2017. Yes, it did. <laughs> I remember, I remember I actually, I, I was telling Jess that you tweeted something about, and we had talked about it. Oh yeah, Latinx, Latinx. And you tweeted something that, that you're like, I'm so over this, right? Yeah. And I'm like, tell me more. And he's like, <laughs> wait for it. And I was like, what's going on? <laughs> tell me, I want to know. And then the article comes out. Um, tell that us about, it. yeah, tell us about how, I mean, what? Why did you, why? Why'd you decide to tackle this yeah. topic that I think is so mm. heated on both sides? Mm-hmm. It is very heated. And I think I maybe was a little bit too naive in thinking that sort of the purpose of an op-ed this is an opinion mm-hmm. piece it's an expression of my opinion um the goal of discourse and the goal of exchange and the goal of dialogue i always see as kind of the number one mm-hmm. that you know what i'm saying that there is always room um to debate unless you're looking at a rabid racist white supremacist who wants you dead Mm -hmm. beyond that barrier basically there is more or less room to find a point of connection with a perfect stranger or to find a point of connection with someone who thinks entirely different from you politically otherwise we're just no longer humans you know otherwise we're just no longer participants and people in a society uh, who must obey the same rules and laws Mm -hmm. basically um i was also aware that it would directly sort of this kind of an opinion or stance could directly impact many people in I in, in my life who I know identify as Latinx. However, I thought two things pushed me to do this. And one, it was kind of this like, maybe I think re- it was kind of a reactionary position, I, to be frank with myself. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm saying, wait, hold on. Before everyone and their mom starts adopting this, let's really consider what if we can't locate the roots of it because there is a dearth of research on it right. and although they're there now we kind of know a little bit more just in the past few months but um that i think that there is still enough space to debate this because i'm was running into people including women older women women of my generation or above i'm 37 years old now like who are like oh i don't like that i'm latina mm-hmm. or who are like dude like what is the point of this mm-hmm. or people who are like yeah, like I'm Mexican or I'm Puerto Rican or I'm this thing or that, you know. But I mean, I think I I still believe that I think Latino um, and I, I'm willing to admit that I'm we may be on the wrong side of history here or mm. this position, you know. In 10 years from now, this might look like the most archaic, the most conservative thing to possibly mm-hmm. have said. I still felt that it needed to be said that in the sense that not everyone is fully on board and embracing Latinx, and there are a lot of reasons why, but the fear of being shut down for being called anti-trans or anti-LGBT or anti-people, I think, prevents people from actually discussing. I'm really interested in language. I'm a bilingual person. I'm fascinated by the opportunities that bilingualism presents and the opportunities that language presents to express oneself and to push the boundaries of language and i'm fully aware that languages are always changing right mexican spanish and latin american spanish at large i would say is actually americanizing in a very rapid and maybe even alarming way the adoption of certain american phrases like okay e bye-bye and those kinds of things that's a very um, american Mm. english is slowly bleeding into latin american spanish and this i thought was wrong quote unquote by the rules in both languages and so Mm -hmm. i just wanted to say that 
um, I didn't want to make it a personal essay. I didn't want to be like, as a queer man, I'm blah, blah. You know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? Like, it wasn't a personal story. I've written personal essays. I wanted to write an argumentative, um, kind of quasi-academic kind of treatise a bit on saying, a ver, pausa. What is this about? Why are people so averse to it? And yet at the same time, why are people so fully, fully, fully pushing it? Mm -hmm. I mean, I think our community who is all about Latinx and is using it and mm -hmm. wants to rename everything Latinx um, needs to also acknowledge that we wouldn't even be here if we had not made certain steps. And I, I guess what I'm trying to say is that there isn't enough acknowledgement of what past generations have done to get us to the point where we can have this debate and right. not have a debate over whether we have freedom of speech, like if we are all living in Venezuela right now, mm -hmm. or freedom to be able to walk at the street at night in our hometown if we were living in Mexico right now. Right. We are very privileged as U.S. Latinos, and I think in the broadest sense possible and in the broadest sense of the term, mm -hmm. let's check our privilege as U.S. Latinos, mm -hmm. and let's acknowledge that there are much more um, serious, more serious battles to fight over this kind of tit for tat over who can be more um, authentic in terms of what are identifying terms and identifying markers. My overall argument is that Latino and Latinx and Latina is ultimately insufficient to really capture enough of who we are and the full range of diversity, which we're seeing even right here at this table. Right. You know? Yeah. And I think, you know, I... And I mentioned I, I did look through some of the responses and some of the responses was that it's that the the article is indicative of your privilege in not having to. I don't I don't know what the what again, this is such a this is it's this is such a contested area. So even like going here is just like, oh, boy. So yeah. like yeah. I yeah. I will say I applaud you for even like absolutely stepping going into there. that territory right. because it is. You yeah. don't know what's going to be the right thing to say and saying something that goes against popular opinion, especially in like the media world, then that's a hard space to be in. But I know that what people were saying was like that if you can't check your privilege to embrace this term, that's also something that you need to look at internally because this term is not necessarily about or for you. It is about honoring and representing people who are not necessarily cis, you know, who, and that's um, cisgendered I'm referring to. Uh, for anyone listening, just like I think that that was some of the critique that the article received. Yeah. And I think that's a valid thing to say to a point mm -hmm. because you could also turn it back on those individuals as well. It's an incredibly privileged position. And I may be totally wrong here, but it seems to me it seems to be a very nice point of privilege to, be able to say I, um, you know, went to the UC or I went to the Cal State mm -hmm. or I had an amazing professor who taught me that. Um, you know, the automatic masculine default in certain words in Spanish, excuse me, is, um, is patriarchy. Mm -hmm. You know, the working class people on our streets, on Beverly Boulevard, the streets that I drove, yeah. are not there. They don't mm -hmm. have time to have this discussion. Right. Yeah. They're not, they're, you are talking like if you're from Neptune right now. Yeah. Like, and I think... I'm sorry to say the members of our community who are all about that line and trying to check the check, trying to tell me to check my privilege. Yes, you should also do the same mm -hmm. and you should also do the same and acknowledge that um, 
ultimately these terms um, end up dividing more than unifying. That's what like. I was about to ask. You. Like, what, <laughs> it, what is what is it, it yeah. at the end like mean to you? What is it? What is it gonna do? What it? For me, it's like. I have more important things to worry about, B. And I don't want to make that sound dismissive to people who are transgender and who don't identify with the cisgender binary and the gender binary. Yes, there are my family. I embrace them. They are. I don't want to sound like saying I have black friends, but like I, <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I belong to this community. Right, right, right. And I may not seem like it if I'm walking down the street and that may seem fully like I have cisgender privilege mm -hmm. and at the same time, you know, being a brown man with a goatee and some ink in this day and age also makes you a moving target right. in many respects. And I've had many situations where myself as a journalist, it's more difficult to do your work, um, you know, uh, or you're not you're treated worryly in certain places. You're followed around in stores. All this kind of shit happens to me. Um, and, you know, I'm an educated fucking person so it's like yeah. you know yes we are all dealing with different things and different ways in which the society is burdening us or affecting us or oppressing us mm -hmm. and no there there is no sort of um monopoly on the degree to which oppression defines you and i don't i also don't feel like we should permit ourselves to let that kind of oppression keep us down so much i don't know if i'm no sé si me explico but mm. i i guess it's like i walk through the world like i own it and i would want you to walk through the world like you own it and you and my trans sister and my trans brother because we do right. and like i'm not i don't go i don't walk through life worrying about white supremacy and white racism and i also don't walk through life worrying about my gender like you know like or I don't know. I mean, I guess ultimately my argument is for now, in this day and age, in 2018, Latino is recognizable enough across enough social, political, regional, geographic spectrums, and it is a neutral enough as a default term because, as I say in the piece, there are so many exceptions to the gender binary mm -hmm. in the Spanish language that ultimately as a, the, the thesis of the whole argument is that it's a can of worms that just doesn't have to be opened you know no one is reducing your identity or reducing your gender expression by calling you latino to your face right excuse me if you come back and you say hold up i'm latinx bueno it is latinx let me make a note of that next time we interact let me make sure i call you latinx um can we move on like can we get to, you know, what's really going on here? Right. Um, have you be have you been a victim of uh, of of uh, anti-trans violence? Well, that's more important to me than making sure that whatever cool or trendy, if you will, identifier is sort of attached to you. You know what I'm saying? Like, I guess the inc incrementally um, the 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 goal of justice and the goal of social justice. Um, we should just keep our eyes on the prize, I guess is what I'm saying. And I don't know if Latinx is big enough of an issue or of a question um, to sort of stop me and ostracize me and kick me out or try to boycott me or any right. other things. I think mm. it's interesting because um, obviously the three of us are in media. And so 
we know that this term exists and we know what's there's a conversation happening about Absolutely. it. My boyfriend who is Latino, I had no idea that Latinx even existed. Yeah. And when I was talking to him about this t- particular topic, he's like, what's, what's that? You know, and he's fairly woke, fairly mm-hmm. aware of like what's mm-hmm. happening. It's just like, this doesn't even come across his radar. So, and I think in my practice, I, and, and as an editor for a site, if, if um, a writer writes to me and it's something is in Latinx, I don't change it. Mm-hmm. If a writer has Latino, Latina, I also don't change that. That's just sort of become like our guidelines as a publication. I think I will continue to, in just in, langu- in, in my daily practice and how I speak, because you get so used to the habits that you have, I think I say Latino, Latina, like uh, fairly on the right. regular. Uh, but I have been trying to say Latinx and even write with Latinx more frequently because I want to feel like I am making people feel like there's a safe space when they're with me. And if you come out, if, if, if you're coming from a space of having been marginalized and having felt oppressed and having felt like no one has ever allowed for you to be who you want to be, like, I want to be like, please sit at this table. Let us like, yeah. let us dine. Let us be comfortable. There's so much that I recognize that I don't know. I recognize that this is a conversation that we're having and there isn't someone at this table who would prefer to identify as Latinx, you know, and that's something that means a lot to them. But the same way that people are saying, hey, you know, I prefer they or them versus she and her and trying to understand their pronouns. I think like this, this for me, at least Latinx is a way of saying this may not be the biggest obstacle that we have to confront. And but this is something that can liberate you and that can make you feel acknowledged and that can make you feel like we've made progress and if that were that letter can do that for someone then I'm willing to just like throw my customs and comfortability out the window for for that individual yeah and and, and in mm-hmm. that space yeah and that I feel like that's also understandable coming from uh, I mean a place where we do that where I work in Spanish media mm-hmm. and presenting the idea of doing something like this and they were like what is it what does it mean is it mean like the new generation and it's like no, guys. Like, have you guys not yeah, heard? They're like, like Generation X. X? Literally, it was like it was literally like Generation X of Latinos, and I'm like, no. Like, but maybe. But yeah, but literally, it's like, so what do you want to do? But and maybe like, yeah, because my abuela, like, she she ain't have yeah, X anything. Any, exactly. So I also think like it's it's I don't know if it's I mean it, it and it, it affected me in that sense when I'm when I'm introducing these topics of conversation and it's like. Uh, no, we don't know what you're talking about. I have no idea. I haven't seen it. And I'm like, it's all over social media. Like, it's like, don't have you not, do you not understand? Um, so yeah. I, I definitely do agree with you in that, the fact that we have to be able to dialogue in these things. And what are, what, what is your perspective? And how, what do you think about this word? And how can we better uh, understand each other to, you know, be like, I don't have to agree, yeah. but, but I, I respect, you know, yeah. and I respect where you're coming from and opening up the conversation to include more. Uh, opinions and more experiences that's how that part i don't know if i i because sometimes i i'm not a a commenter like if i see something on instagram or twitter i'm not gonna like throw my opinion in there like i just i'm like i'm not good at the social element Uh, we'll we'll send it in a direct message be like like, yo what's up and i like are like talking shit on the side yeah yeah. but so i so but i will just see the sort of like if someone says the wrong thing the attacks 
that's yeah. too much. And, yeah. Like, yeah. and you know, even in reading some of the responses that you were receiving, it's like there are some things that you say that just don't allow for a conversation to happen. Right. There are too many conversation stoppers. Right, right, right. Instead yeah. of bridges. Mm-hmm. And I think that is another critique, I guess you could say, behind the community who's really pushing it in this way. And, you know, I did have a wait, hold up moment with Latinx. So let me it. just yeah. share that with you. <laughs> there was a moment I was just before LA Weekly tanked. I was I, I heard through the grapevine, basically, that the Barbara Carrasco, great muralist, L.A., she did this mural, um, The History of L.A., you mm-hmm. know, sort of from the Latina Chicana perspective. It was shrouded over at Union Station. It had initially been censored 30 years ago and now completely tone-deaf move. LA Metro shrouds it during some private events that were previously scheduled, right? Boom. So I did this piece and I'm like, look, this is uh, LA history told from the Chicana West Side perspective. During the late 1970s and early 1980s, uh, Chicano muralists in Los Angeles um, kind of initiated a muralism renaissance that really affected our my generation when we participated in painting these murals that celebrated chicano identity at a time when yes being brown and being mexican was a very a negative thing to be a frowned upon thing to be you were sucio you were a rasquacha mm. simply for being you that changed and now we ha- we're allowed to be proud on twitter and have our little flags mm. and raise our little emoji fist because we had murals in the 80s who were initially the first steps that we needed to take as a broad community and as a historical community to embrace and celebrate, right? Brown is beautiful, brown pride. When I hear brown is beautiful, brown pride these days, I'm like, uh, duh, like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> we already cro- crossed that bridge, guys. The movement didn't start with you. All these little kids on Twitter, I'm sorry, love you, fam, but like the movements did not start with you let's acknowledge that so many people died to get Mm -hmm. us to where we're at to get you to sort of start accusing another latino of being a cisgender oppressor you know like let's really take a historical view of where we're at so as i was saying put this article in la weekly um and the editor at some point changed it to chicanex muralist in the 1970s i'm sorry no that is rewriting history Mm. they were chicano even the women were at that time unfortunately you know yes we've we've changed and we've morphed and we move with generations but like when you're rewriting history sort of kind of reckless recklessly to sort of satisfy cultural norms of the day Mm -hmm. then that i think is territory that the whole latinx thing like shouldn't cross into right you know what i'm saying however again i think i'm ready to admit that i might i i probably will be on the wrong side of history on this but i think it was a marker that a lot of people were very happy to see because right. people privately were saying guess what i'm starting to feel oppressed by these kids telling me i'm always wrong and i'm always <laughs> speaking wrong yeah. so it's like where are we where can we go where can we meet in order to get to the next step you know yeah well yeah i did like a survey on her insta story today and it was like yay or nay for latinx and i put yes and but it was in the majority for no and so I I some t- I Sorry. do sort of uh. feel like sometimes there's it's not it's not this conversation that's happening in the large in the community at large. Mm-hmm. It's a smaller community that's having it having it uh, that's the conversation and I think that only time will tell to mm-hmm. see where it continues to go if it continues to live on. I'm 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 interested in seeing how this all plays out and I think 
what I do want to, and what I take away from this conversation mostly is not a matter of like, do you love it? Do you hate it? But mostly like, can we continue to just have conversations? Like that for me Mm -hmm. is the most important is like, can we be in a space where we can say things and we're not necessarily always going to say the right things. And we're also not going to be the most informed, but that I want to know and I want to have conversations and I want to feel like at the end of the day, there's love and compassion in this space that we occupy so that if I say something that's wrong, you're, I'm not going to be like persecuted for it, but I'm going to be like gently guided in the right Mm -hmm. direction. Cause I think all of our hearts are in the right place. We're all working in this space where we want to advance the stories of Latinos, Latinxes everywhere. And we want people to recognize our power, our beauty, our strength, and that we're not going anywhere. Mm -hmm. And it's like, if, if you can't look past that, then that's a problem. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think, you know, to your point earlier, what do we do for media workers, right? Mm -hmm. What do we do for those of us who work in the press and who work with uh, media? Um, And I think you have a great rule. You know, if people submit and turn and say, you know, this is, you know, this subject of this article is a Latin or identifies as a Latinx individual. Well, yes, the, the, the proper thing to do journalistically and just respectably is to you know, let them be mm-hmm. termed as they please. And I say that also in the piece. I say it very briefly because I was trying to cram a lot. And I did like 19 versions of that. I knew no. it was going to be sensitive. Like I knew it was going to get me in trouble. But I'm not afraid. Like That's good. no one scares that, me. It's admirable and like, though. Like, I was like, <laughs> I know. I was like, <laughs> like, and I'm like, let's talk about Latinx. I'm like, ooh. Like, guys, <laughs> like, I'm just not afraid of anyone. And this has been my path throughout my entire career if there is something that people are talking about but people are afraid to address in public well for me the most satisfying challenge is addressing that mm-hmm. and and going head on into that and i may falter and i or i may really falter but the point is my goal is to push our discussion so that they are more that, that so that they make us all more sophisticated as a community mm, right. you know and 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 you know a couple of the things that i put on social media before the piece I lost friends from that. A couple of people were like, you are a cisgender transphobe. And I'm like, dude, like, you have no idea of, like, Mm. the work that I've put in or my friends have put in or the commitment that I've had personally or that, like, uh, you know, like, where do you want this conversation to go after you cross that boundary and accuse someone of, of committing violence towards you with their language? Like, that, I think, is a little too severe and a little too reactionary itself. So I think... Yes, it's a very interesting moment. We're going to see where this goes over the next few years, and I'm willing always to embrace change. I am not a conservative in the sense that I don't want things to change, and I want it to be the same because that's what makes me comfortable, and that's what makes mm-hmm. other men comfortable or whatever. Right. Like, no, like let's move and let's change. See, sí, o sea, dale la salsa, o sea, like let's you know throw it up, like let's do something. Yes, but let's be smart. And strategic about it and open-minded about it as much as possible and oftentimes unfortunately the people who consider themselves most open-minded actually end up becoming the least open-minded and that's what I would encourage your listeners uh, to avoid and to let people flow and let people make mistakes and yes be that gentle guide or say fuck it I don't want to be no one's guide you know which is also a valid reaction Mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying so yeah. And lastly, what's your favorite? Ta- where's your favorite taco spot? Where oh. is it in LA? What is it? You gotta let us <laughs> yeah. know. What's what? What? Which one it is? What is it? Oh damn. Okay. Well, 
well, there's this barbacoa lady right on 48th and Broadway in South Central. I love <laughs> that she's really like, this good. is. <laughs> and they're there on the weekend. Son Oaxaqueños. Wait, um, South Central and what? This is no. South Broadway. South Broadway. And I think it's 48th place. Okay. I'm going to have to oh, email let me you know. back. Yeah. Pero este, many good things on the streets. Mexican-American food is not so good, let's be honest. <laughs> Classic food that you get at El Coyote or El Cholo, not going to be authentic. Thankfully, now with all the migration that we're having and trans-migration, people going back and forth, we're getting new flavors from Mexico, right? Mm. So the most recent immigrants and food that specifies what region it is from, chances are you're going to have something good. I agree with is, that. Is my, is my recommendation. Yes, go to Danny Trejo's, Trejo's Tacos, you know? And definitely go to um, King Taco. You know, King Taco when you need it. When you need that bean and cheese burrito, get that go for it. <laughs> get it. That's but so just fake. right now, like right now, I'm writing about a place um, called Se llaman Ponchos de la Ayudas. Ponchos de la Ayudas. Están en, si están en Instagram, Oaxaqueños de un pueblito, Sierra Norte, making some tlayudas on the street like you get in Oaxaca City. Oh, man. You know what I'm saying? Oh, man, I'm so and then know, a like, lot oh. of good stuff happens in backyards. And you just have to be in the know because we don't want the county or anyone coming up and shutting that down. Yeah. You know? For real. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We won't, we won't let anybody know. Don't worry. So Dad. sorry to not specify an answer. Yeah. But for now, okay. South Broadway. 48. Okay, so what's your taco go-to? Taco go-to? What do you mean? Like, what's your order? If, if it's like one type of taco. You said everybody has a favorite taco. Yeah. What's your favorite? <laughs> I guess it just depends on what meats they have, you know? I mean, His eyes lit up as, yeah. as if he was in front of a buffet of tacos, y'all. I just wanted to know. He's like, well, what's my options? I'm like, nothing. I don't have anything for you. I got really chilango, and the first thing I do, I learn to do, and people, when they see me here, when I order tacos on the street here, se ponen también a little, like, who is this guy? Because I walk right up, and I'm like, ¿qué tiene? I'm not like, hey, a lot of people, when they deal with immigrants, yeah. And with workers on the streets, they don't they fail to recognize how much of their privilege they're revealing. When you tiptoe around the mic, hola señora, eh, you're using really bad Spanish. ¿Qué tienes, um, let me let me not bother the immigrant. No, dude, the immigrant is working. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. want to feed you some tacos. I'm <laughs> used to walking up to the taco lady. What do you got? ¿Qué tienes? Oh, no be like, okay, he gets it. Tengo eh, res. Tengo chuleta, tengo carnita. You know what I'm saying? And then you go from there. So it's a give and take. It's an interaction. But if I had to pick something, I'd see, oh, no sé, un taco de mole verde con pollo. Un, no sé, like birria, you know. <laughs> as long as the tortilla is handmade and really good, I'm, I'm, you're already there. You're, you already got a good yeah. start. You're already <laughs> at like start. 75% of where you need to be, honestly. True, that's true. That's true. Awesome. awesome. Thank you so much, hey Daniel, guys, for stopping you. by. You guys can check him out. His Twitter is always popping. Uh, Long Drive South is his handle, right? There you go. And thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. And um, I'll be listening too. Thank you to all that have been dropping comments and uh, reviews on iTunes and yes. leaving us uh, really beautiful things on all our social. Make sure to follow us. Uh, the handle is Wait Hold Up Pod uh, on Twitter, Instagram, and of course, uh, let us know and give us a review and some stars on iTunes. Yeah, <laughs> definitely leave us some comments on Instagram though. We yes. we love hearing what you guys have to say. Until next time, we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Toodles.